Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we're going to talk to Jelani Watson-Gale of the Winnipeg Sea Bears, the top bench player in the league so far. He's from England. What does he think of his time in Winnipeg so far? Also, we'll talk to Doug Brown about Friday night's showdown between the Bombers and the Stampeders. That's all coming up on the podcast. As we turn our attention over to the Canadian Elite Basketball League and the Winnipeg Sea Bears have electrified the city when they're playing at home. A number of home wins. They surged to the top of the standings with an 8-3 and record. Last we saw them here in Winnipeg. They dropped a couple on the road earlier this week but have a chance to get back in the win column Saturday in Edmonton before they return home to face Saskatchewan, the next home game they have Tuesday night in a nationally televised game. And one of the key players on the team joins us now. His name is Jelani Watson-Gale from the United Kingdom. Jelani, are you uh, stuck in the storm right now? How's it going? Um, I just missed it, luckily. I'm in the house right now. Good, good. He got safe. So uh, what have you thought of your, uh, just not weather, but your time in Winnipeg so far? How has it been for you? Oh, it's been great. Um, the team's doing well. I've gelled with my team. A bunch of great guys on my team. Um, they just make going to practice and stuff. They just make it fun and easy. Uh, I love the town. I love the love that we get from the uh, community. I will, sometimes I'm just out and I'll say, hey, Seabears, go Seabears. Uh, give us some encouragement and some kind words. Um, the games, the atmosphere of the games has been intense. It's been lovely to play in front of, exciting. And yeah, man, I've just enjoyed it so far. So how did you end up in Winnipeg? Take us through the process that landed you in the CEBL. Um, one of my, my agents uh, reached out to me and said, how would you feel about playing in Canada? And at first I had uh, some reservations because my season, the CEBL pretty much started straight after my season finished. But then I kind of just heard out the situation, um, spoke to Coach Mike, and he told me the ins and outs of it. So, and it just sounded like a great opportunity, so I decided to take it. So you're playing in uh, Britain before, right, with the Bristol Flyers? Yes, correct. So I'm sure playing in, in your home country w- was great, but what was that transition like coming right out of that season and, and right onto the court here in Winnipeg? Great. So, like, my, like for Bristol... Our games would sell out and the, the atmosphere was good, but it was only, we was maxed out at like 800 fans. So to come to the home opener and have, I think it was what, 7.4, 7.5K? Yeah, about that. Yeah, about that. So to play in front of that and the sort of atmosphere that we had, it was just great. It was great for me. I think like before the game, I kind of just remember just looking around and just thinking, wow. And it, it, it's been a lot of fun to be at these games, no doubt about that. Uh, for you then, how did you feel? your role on the team would be going into the season and has it lived up to your expectations through 13 games? Uh, yeah, Coach Mike pretty much told me before how he wanted to use me and how he just wanted me to just make plays down the stretch and just to be aggressive and get others involved. So really, yeah, it is what I kind of expected, to be fair. So being a top sixth man in the CEBL, even winning the award of sixth man of the year, was that something that you thought of going in? Um, not really, to be honest. I don't really go into seasons looking for accolades. I kind of just try and just be the best version of myself and then the accolades will follow. Now, but in terms of like coming off the bench, I was like the sixth, seventh man on my last team. So... That's something that I'm kind of used to. 
How would you describe yourself as a player for those who haven't watched you yet? As a player, um, I would like to say I'm excited to watch. Um, good three point shooter. Get my teammates involved and can make some some tough shots down the stretch. And you have so far. You've hit a couple game winners, including most the most recent home game you had against. Uh, I think it was Vancouver. It was just a, or Niagara, pardon me. It was a fantastic environment. It was basically next bucket wins. And yeah. you hit the, you hit the shot, a turnaround jumper by the free throw line. The place went nuts. Uh, how does it feel when you hit a game winning shot like that? Oh, it's great. Uh, especially with, with the fans, the atmosphere and like the game was just intense at that moment in time. So for me to just score that and have my coaches and my teammates have that trust and faith in me to, to make the play. It was just great. Like, I don't words couldn't even really describe how I felt at that moment in time. The target score aspect of the CEBL, I think, for those who had never experienced it before and are going to these games, I think it just changes basketball and how the game is played completely because every game now ends on a bucket and the clock goes away. You can't just milk the clock. You have to play. You have to score at least nine points if you're ahead. Yeah, or exactly. what's Had you any experience with the target score before? No, no. So this is this is my first time actually, and um, I remember the first Vancouver game. I remember we were up by quite a bit, but it's like the game kind of shifts gears because normally when you're up, you can kind of stall out the clock. The kind of looks you get change. The kind of energy changes to like just protecting the lead. But when it comes to target score time, it's like it just flips. The energy flips. The defensive intensity turns up. The other team, they kind of have, especially if they're down, they don't really have anything to lose. So it's like, it seems like some teams, like we've been playing, they've been struggling to score and stuff, but come to target score time, they make every single shot because the energy and the intensity just changes. Talking with Jelani Watson-Gale, guard from the Winnipeg Sea Bears. And I've, the first four games, target score time was a problem for your teams. It was it was not good. You had huge leads that evaporated, but you ended up getting wins in three of those four games, including that home opener where the other team I think was up down 17, and then they tied it before you got the W. What do you think those first few games, the hiccups that you had in target score time, because more recently it's been a lot more solid, how do you think that helped your team? No, it definitely taught us to uh, just value every possession. It taught us to pretty much turn up our defensive intensity and also just to, just to get the best shot possible. I feel like early on, we weren't really getting the best shots, which was leading out to easy baskets for the other team. So really it's just working on our shot selection and decision-making in, in that time. And so you got Edmonton coming up on Saturday after two straight losses. What has to change to, to get back in the win column? Oh, just... Um, Consistent intensity and, and attention to detail. Uh, Edmonton came into came to Winnipeg and beat us quite bad in front of our fans, so we kind of have a sour taste in our mouth. So we just want to come back with the right intensity and right focus and just get the W on the road. There's a 29 point win by Edmonton a couple weeks ago, so yeah, that that one definitely is not one you're going to forget. Uh, yeah. Teddy Allen is the the leading scorer on the team, one of the top players in the CEBL so far this year. What's it been like playing with a guy who just has zero issue shooting from anywhere on the court and can hit it from anywhere on the court? Yeah, Teddy's got a knack for scoring, um, and he's got a very high level of confidence. And I think that 
that helps because it kind of that confidence kind of rubs off on other players, including myself at times. There's even been times in games where he's like, "Yo, shoot, shoot, shoot," where I've second guessed it. So yeah, it's been good playing with him. Now you also signed a, a deal in Belgium for uh, yeah. after the CEBL season is done. Why did you want to make that move? Oh, to Brussels. Um, I just felt like it was the next step in my career. And it's a good challenge and a good opportunity for me to grow as a person and a player. When you're bouncing around leagues, like, because you're not, you know, NBA goes forever, but these leagues are shorter schedules where you can play in two or three leagues per season or per calendar year. Uh, What's that like just trying to fill your calendar with basketball? Oh, it's great. Um, I just really see it as an opportunity to just grow as a player, um, meet, meet new people new experiences. I think it's great. Um, especially you only get better by playing. So the more you play, the better you get. So I kind of just see it, see it as that and just good opportunities to get better. And how would you say the food in Winnipeg compares to the food back home in England? Uh, I, I would say I prefer it back in England. And why is that? Um, I just prefer the, uh, the Caribbean food back home. Okay. That, that, that I'm used to. And just, you know, nothing really beats your mom's cooking and stuff. So, yeah. Fair enough. What's your what's your go-to meal here in Winnipeg? In Winnipeg? Yeah. Ooh. Ah. I remember get. I don't, I don't have a go-to. I think one of my favorites was I got a salmon poke bowl, I believe it was. And that was pretty good. Well, you got time to to try other things before you you head off to Belgium. Jelani, appreciate your time. Thanks for this, and good luck this weekend. No, thank you. Thank you for having me. The CFL week number five begins tonight in Saskatchewan with the Rough Riders hosting the Elks, two teams that do not win games at home. Well, we'll see what happens here because the Elks are not at home. The Riders' home losing streak is long, but not as long as Edmonton's because theirs is the longest that the CFL has ever seen. As we turn our attention back to tomorrow night's game between the Blue Bombers and the Stampeders, and we welcome in Doug Brown, CFL legend, Canadian Football Hall of Famer. Doug, I saw the other day on Twitter, it was the uh, anniversary of your first CFL game, and you scored a touchdown in your first game and never scored one again. Is that right? Yeah, well, it took a very, very lucky bounce for me to ever score a touchdown in professional football, and it just never happened again, right? I I recovered fumbles going forward, but never did I get so fortunate to have uh, a forced fumble absolutely just take a perfect bounce and and end up in my hands. So did you think when you scored that, oh, my God, this is easy. I'm going to score a lot of these. (laughs) Um, Well, I didn't understand what all the – the haboo about uh, the Calgary Stampeders uh, was about because we went in there to start the season and we certainly handed it to them. But by the end of the year, when they beat us in the Grey Cup, even though they were eight and ten, I learned that uh, things can change in uh, in rapid fashion in the Canadian Football League. Absolutely. As we uh, turn our attention 22 years later to where we are here now, and the <laughs> Winnipeg Blue Bombers hosting the Calgary Stampeders, Winnipeg I think has overtaken the spot of kind of the, the team you want to be right now in the Canadian Football League. They've taken that mantle from Calgary and the Stamps come in with a one and two record. Is it weird adjusting to the fact that, you know, Calgary's not the top dog anymore? 
Yeah, you know, they were the the flagship of the CFL for so long. It is is certainly an adjustment. And, uh, you know, even now when you would say or remark they're in the, the low point of their uh, their franchise, I mean, uh, they still play Winnipeg very, very tough. I believe uh, even though uh, Winnipeg beat them in all three games um, last year, I believe it came down to uh, the final three minutes and uh, the point differentials were very, very tight. So, uh, yeah, even when they're not their old formidable selves, and uh, they've got a new quarterback that's, you know, just in his third year and he's kind of struggling and they don't have a winning record and they have a whole bunch of injuries. Calgary still, you know, they're, there's not, they're not a, a team you overlook in any way, shape or form. They're very, very well coached. They're very competitive and uh, they, uh, they're always in it in all the contests against Winnipeg. Yeah, I went through the numbers earlier, Doug. The last three meetings or last year, it was decided by two, seven and seven points and Going back nine straight meetings in the regular season, they've all been one possession games, and the average margin of victory is less than four points either way. So we're used to really close games here between these two sides, regardless of who's at quarterback. But uh, for the Blue Bombers here, how important was getting the defense back on track in Montreal after three straight games where maybe it didn't feel as dominant as it once did? Yeah, I mean, that was a, a huge adjustment, I think, early in 2023 is the fact that, you know, the defense was allowing all these points and all these yardage, and they were, you know, nowhere near the top of the CFL statistically. And it was overshadowed by the fact that the, the offense was, you know, on pace to break all these records until uh, British Columbia showed up, of course. But it was great to see. Um, in Montreal, that uh, the defense really uh, established themselves, uh, you know, giving up only three points in a game to uh, the Montreal team that was already uh, 2-0 and that season, had a lot of confidence going forward, had a, you know, massive uh, regime change, and Cody Fajardo at the helm, who had always uh, played well against the Bombers. So um, there was a lot on the table and there was uh, a lot of difficulty the Winnipeg hasn't always played great against Montreal so to see the defense show up in the, in the Calgary in the way they did I think uh, goes a long way for uh, uh, making this blue bomber team uh, not only resemble uh, some of the formidable teams we've seen in the past couple of years but uh, if if they start playing at a high level and the offense can get back on track that's the kind of dominant uh, football that people around here have come to expect from from this ball club Asked Derek about this yesterday, and uh, and I think you're probably a bit better equipped to answer this as a person who played defensive end in the CFL. But having Jackson Jeffcoat back, I know he didn't show up on the stat sheet, but how much do you think that allowed Willie Jefferson to wreak the havoc that he did against Montreal? Yeah, I think it's a big part of it. I, I spotlighted uh, Jackson Jeffcoat a lot. Uh, during the game and um, you know he was getting chipped and they were sliding towards him in, in protection and uh, he uh, he carries a reputation with him he's a he's an outstanding player and uh, you know if he's not there then I think your blocking schemes just go towards nullifying Willie Jefferson and if he is there then you have to pick your poison right and then you have to choose what kind of protection you're going to be in and and if you want to really be protected from both of them then you're not going to have many uh players out in the in the route formation so it's uh it makes things a lot more difficult and it's not a coincidence that we saw willie jefferson really take advantage 
of uh, you know the one-on-one opportunities he got in that game. When Willie Jefferson's manned up, uh, there's very few guys that can consistently block him in a one-on-one scenario. Same goes with Jackson Jeffcoat. So, and Jackson Jeffcoat, you get it from him, not just you know on passing downs, but he's excellent against the run as well, and just being disruptive in the backfield and, and setting an edge. So, uh, it, it was interesting to uh, to see you know. Uh, watch Montreal pick their poison and decide who they wanted to to try and stop, and then the other just took advantage of it. So it's uh, they're a, a very uh, impressive bunch when they're paired together and they're both healthy, playing at a high level. How about the performance of Cam Lawson and and how how they can perhaps use a a job like that, a Canadian defensive tackle stepping in and being the difference maker he was last week. Yeah, that was uh, a guy that jumped off the page for sure, His and especially his stat line. So I think he had a little help playing next to Willie Jefferson on a couple plays. But, you know, uh, as someone that used to play in the interior, we'll, we'll take that help wherever we can get it, especially if our, if our ends are flushing people right up uh, in, into our arms. That makes life a lot easier for us. So, uh, you know, he, uh, he looked strong. He looked impressive. He's going to be a, certainly a work in progress, but – you know, uh, he could be a problem solver for uh, the, the the Bombers in terms of a ratio scenario and uh, eventual successor to Jake Thomas, I'm sure. What are your concerns through four weeks about the t- defense? If there are still some, I'm sure there are. But what would yours be as someone who watches this team so closely? My concerns about the defense were mainly uh, just continuity in, in the secondary. Um, and that was uh, in large part, you know, we, we've seen such dominant play over the years from the Winnipeg Blue Bomber defense uh, in the secondary, but it was always so tied to an unrelenting, unstoppable pass rush up front. And, uh, you know, this year we didn't see a lot of sacks initially. We didn't see a lot of pressure initially, and we saw a ton of yards and points surrendered in the back end. So um, I don't think it's uh, a coincidence that, when they really got after it up front uh, against Montreal, they were able to uh, really hold down the ship in the, in the back end and uh, obviously, as, as we know, not allow any majors in that game. So, um, you know, I think Brandon Alexander is uh, getting back to his playmaking days. I think it took a while for him to recover and rehabilitate from his injury he previously sustained. And I think every uh, game Going forward, I've seen him improve and, and, and pick up his, uh, regain his skill set. So, uh, but I would say, you know, the thing that uh, concerned me and, and many people was the play in the secondary. But I think, uh, you know, the more these guys play together, the healthier they get. And then if the pass rush can, can continue to be um, effective and, uh, and dominant like we saw in Montreal, I think uh, we can start to hopefully uh, not be as concerned about the play in that back end. What about offensively? Uh, what concerns me about the Bombers offensively? Yeah. Uh, well, just, you know, I think the thing that, that jumps off the page for you in that regard is is consistency, right? So you saw the first two games, they were on pace to score unprecedented amount of points. And then the last two games have been pretty ordinary for this uh, for this offense. Now in Montreal, they certainly had some weather issues to contend with and Nick Dembski wasn't there and Kenny Lawler still not a part of this offense yet but you know consistency is a, is a big thing uh, 
for for any offense being able to routinely you know score a number of points like we saw in week one and week two I, I think that's really my only concern with that offense outside of that glitch in the matrix uh, when we saw BC come and, and absolutely uh, run rampant through uh, through the offensive line. And I know this is a touchy spot for you, but is the uh, is you are you okay with the kicking game? <laughs> yeah, you know what I haven't I haven't been paying attention to it, so that's that's fantastic because it's not drawing my ire, right? So mm-hmm. it's, uh, Sergio is uh, he's money. I'm uh, I'm happy that. You know, I can uh, start looking at my notes or, or, you know, go early to commercial when it comes to him uh, kicking an extra point or lining up for a field goal. I, I'm, I'm back to my medlock days where I have an expectation it's just going to happen, right? My uh, my blood pressure doesn't go up. My heart doesn't start racing uh, like it maybe it was in previous years when we didn't have that level of certainty about uh, whether extra points and field goals were going to be made, uh, especially at pivotal points in game. So I, I think Sergio was, uh, I thought he was fantastic what he did, the work he did in 2019. And I couldn't be happier that he's back on that team. Now, what was social media like for you Monday as Vernon Adams threw six interceptions? <laughs> social media. <laughs> Cause we know you've been a little outspoken about uh, believing or not believing well, in him. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing about Vernon Adams is he's been in this league for what, seven or eight years now. And, uh, you know, people, uh, I'm sure when you lose a quarterback to the caliber of Nathan Rourke, you really want, you know, you're really hopeful that someone can come in and, and, and pick up where he left off. But, and it, it kind of looked that way, obviously, the first few weeks, uh, the way Vernon played, especially the way he played in, in Winnipeg. But, you know, I started scratching my head and I was like, hang on a second. I, I, it was in a, a place of deja vu. I'm like, I've seen this happen before that he can have these amazing games, but then become extremely erratic. And I mean, that's, that's even past the definition of being inconsistent or erratic going from the kind of numbers he was putting up to throwing six picks in a game. Like it's just, it's it's incredible. And I think the most telling part of that game uh, with the Argonauts, they would always pan to Corey Mace, who's the defensive coordinator of the Toronto Argonauts. And he was just, he had this grin on his face like he knew that he had changed up. He was giving Vernon Adams a look that Vernon wasn't prepared for, that hadn't seen before, and it just they just kept cashing in on it all game, and he wasn't able to do, uh, adjust. And then it became like, I don't know, some kind of repeating, like you're skipping a record, and it keeps going over and over and over again. I didn't understand. He kept throwing the same ball, and, and it was getting worse, and, negative actions sometimes manifest themselves out on the football field. And I was like, Oh, okay, this is, this is what I remember now. This is why he's had so many destinations as a player. And this is why teams have, have had a lot of frustration with Vernon Adams is that you never know what you're going to get. So I think he's in a, on a team and in a group where he's got the best weapons around him he's ever had. And, uh, you know, potentially uh, one of the best coaches and best offensive system he's ever been uh, put into. But, uh, I mean, I I think Toronto opened a lot of people's eyes to the fact that if you can throw some different looks at him, if you can uh, confuse him, if you can show him something he hasn't seen before, um, all bets are off in terms of uh, what kind of productivity you're going to get out of him because that was absolutely shocking until you look back at his history and you see, oh, yeah, this has happened many, many a time before. 
And like I said, it, it's hard for uh, a zebra to, to change his stripes, you know, that, that long uh, down uh, uh, the road of a career. Appreciate your time as always, Doug. Thanks for this. We'll see you at the game tomorrow, and we hope it's not as wet as last week. <laughs> All right, my friend. We'll see you there tomorrow, buddy. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. Come on and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you all.